Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Support comes from Universal Pictures, presenting their new film, Welcome to Marwin. From the groundbreaking director of Forrest Gump comes the boldest and most original film of the year. Based on an inspirational true story and starring Academy Award nominee Steve Carell and Leslie Mann, Welcome to Marwin celebrates the power of friendship, hope, and healing in theaters this Friday. Palm is back and available on Verizon. Palm is a small practical companion device that syncs with your existing smartphone, so all your info is seamlessly connected. Palm isn't a replacement for your smartphone, but it has all the same mobility and capability, allowing you to leave your smartphone behind so you can focus on what's in front of you. Go to palm.com, that's P-A-L-M.com, to learn more, and run to your nearest Verizon store to check out Palm for yourself. Hello to everybody with hidden voice talents. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hello everybody, Chris Gathard here, welcoming you to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. A.K.A. the best job this guy could have ever stumbled into because I get to talk to you kind people on the phone. And, uh, hey, if you're out there, I haven't mentioned this in a while. If you want to call, keep trying to call. And if I haven't even said in a while, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Twitter. I say that not to plug my social media, but that's where I put up the phone prompts. And, uh, yeah, you'll see jokes and show plugs and and, uh, videos of me doing jujitsu poorly. And then also... The plugs come up for uh, how to call the show and when I'm in the studio. So last week's episode was our uh, our sit down in person from Toronto. We talked with someone who is a translator for the Japanese community in Toronto and the courts told us about that. And a lot of people, a lot of people really said her personality was incredible and they wanted to be personal friends with the uh, quote unquote caller from that week. And uh, that was really nice to see in the beautiful anonymous Facebook community. There was one guy who brought up a valid point, I thought, where he said, uh, you know, I, 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 I forget if he said he was dating or married to uh, an Asian lady. And he said, not all white guys are fetishizing people. And if I ever implied that, I apologize. I don't, I don't think I was ever trying to say that every white male who's ever dated an, an Asian person is somehow fetishizing them. We were just going from the context of what the caller brought up. But apologies if anybody was offended or felt judged. Not my intention. This week on our beautiful follow-ups on Stitcher Premium, we catch up with the girl who escaped from a cult. Don't miss that. Okay, what else? Do I have a show? I got a couple shows coming up in Queens this week, and then uh, Brooklyn in January. We opened up two more shows at Union Hall because the early ones sold out. Maybe I'll see you there. This week's call, it's a pretty fascinating one. I like this guy a lot. You're going to hear, I give him a hard time at points. He reminds me a lot of uh, how my... Friends and I 
in college interacted with each other and uh, pretty fascinating dude you'll hear he's he's lived like four different uh, like professions and they were all sort of like hard lives and now he's moved on and he's He's going to college, but it's not the traditional college experience. And when you hear what he's studying and why and how he wants to help the world, I think you're going to be fascinated with this guy as much as I was. And I'll also encourage you, listen to the end of this call. I will tell you, we finished off this call and right away, I burst out laughing as soon as we hung up and Harry got on the mic and said, I think that was the best ending ever. Jared said, yeah, that might be the best ending to a call we've ever had. So no spoilers, but stay tuned. Enjoy this call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hi. Yeah, dude, what's up, man? Uh, let's see, what's up? Um, not much today. I just did an, inter- I just did an interview yeah. about my new book, and now I'm doing this. Those are the first two things oh, I've done yeah. today. I, to be honest, I have not been following your career as closely recently. Oh, that's okay. I didn't that's know okay. you had a book out. That's okay. Sometimes people drop off. Sometimes people lose interest in me in my career, and that's okay. That's the nature of the beast. Yes, indeed. I mean, I've just been really uh, busy with school. I just got started back up in, uh, I'd call it big boy college, oh, wow. like actual university work. Okay. Um after completing my associate, so it's been kind of a crazy last couple of weeks. So you would, wait, you did the associates. That's the, that's generally a two year program, yeah. right? Yeah. So I started out. All right. So I'm kind of an atypical college student, as in I like out of high school. I did a. I went to school to become a mechanic. I did that for about a year and a half. Decided like. I wasn't very good at it, so okay, okay. I had to find a new path. I did some odd and jobs, made headstones for a while. I uh, <laughs> worked at a leather company, and then I was like, I got to get my ass back in school, so then I tried that, and there's a whole bunch of uh, confounding variables that led to me failing out the first term. I ended up homeless on the first day. Oh, wow. And I was working at a foundry night in a really janky warehouse. Um, Yeah, and so I filled out. And then I spent a couple years doing odds and ends jobs. And then in about 2014, I started back in at school. And it took me like three years, three, four years to get an associate. And now I'm just been set up in June, and now I'm moving on to big boy college to get a degree in geology. So, wow. Okay. I'm adjusting to that life. Yeah, there's a lot of questions. How old are you? I'm trying to do the math. It's impossible. How old are you? All right. Uh, I'm 28. So you're 28. You're 28, and you're currently spending your first time uh, at a full-on university. At university. Twenty-eight. Are you, are you so? Uh, Correct. And do you live? Uh, you live at home, and you commute. Uh, I was living with my uh, father. Uh, my parents were recently split, and so I was living with him. Get a heart condition, and when my mom left him, it was kind of like a nobody else was there because all my other siblings are 
are married off and around the country. And so when my mom left, I moved in there as kind of like it was a mutually beneficial thing where I go to school up in the state that I'm at because it was cheaper. And then also I could be there in case you had any hard episodes. So. And you said that's what you were doing. Is that, is that not the situation anymore or you are? Uh, yeah, I, so after, uh, um, I had that for a couple of years. Um, and that's getting my associates at a mm-hmm. community college. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, so now I've just, I just moved out this summer, uh, down to this, this school that I'm, that I'm currently at, which is about two hours away from, from where I was living. So you, you, are you, you got an apartment? Are you living in the dorms? What are you doing? Uh, okay. So that's an interesting, I live in a co-op, um, which is like the way I like to describe it is it's basically like a, a frat house without the brotherhood bullshit. <laughs> so it's, it's you like your meals there and everything. 31 guys. 31 uh, guys. In our house. Yeah. We have a chef like that cooks us meals and it's like the most, it was the most affordable option I could find at yeah. the school that I'm at. Um, cause I couldn't find like a, a single room for under, you know, $650 a month just for rent. And I got, so, how, this, okay, this is awesome. So you're 28, how there's 31 guys living there. Who's the next oldest guy? Yeah. Uh, next oldest guy is 26 and he's a grad student. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's, we have about, let's see, one, two, three, four grad students living here. So some um, people in your age range. But most of them are, are like 18 to 21. <laughs> are they like partying? Are they like throwing, like getting kegs and stuff and bringing them back by the co-op? Uh, no, no kegs yet, but yeah, we definitely go hard. Um, um, when game day comes around, like there's a couple of uh, guys that have like graduated, but they like still come around every weekend. It's kind of annoying, but like, <laughs> and then on Saturdays when it's like football day, like, uh, they make a whole bunch of like pancakes and then there's like beer pong or like baseball in the basement and everybody gets trashed and then we go to the game. And you say we, you've said we go hard, we go to the game. You're getting in on this. You're playing beer pong with the 19 oh, year olds. Absolutely. Like, I don't know. I feel a little bit weird being like the older dude, but at the same time, like I'm not that mentally mature. So, um, I, and I never really, you know, cause I didn't do the typical college route where, you know, um, you do it at the age appropriate time. So I kind of still want to experience that whole, I don't know, the cinematic version of college where <laughs> you, you booze it up for a couple of years or whatever. Right. And I'm like trying to keep myself in check with that. But, yeah. I, ju- I just rewatched old still, school on a plane a couple months ago. I rewatched old school. You're living the real life version. I am. You're Frank the Tank. And blood. That's all I want to do. You're Frank the Tank, baby. Frank the Tank. Frank's back, baby. Frank's back. <laughs> I love this. So it's game day. You're playing beer pong. Do these guys, do these young guys start getting fucked up and then giving you shit for being old? Oh, yeah. They can't, they can't handle it. That's the, that's the thing. I'm like, as a seasoned alcoholic, um, I definitely can handle my shit for a while. And know when to like ease off. Um, a lot of these kids don't, and so 
there's a lot of uh, fallen soldiers along the way that go too hard too early. And do you ever, when so when these kids are going hard and passing out, do you do you ever click into like oh wait I'm a grown up mode or do you you just like get up? No, absolutely. Like, all right. So like, I'm definitely more like an empathetic kind of person that like like. I definitely just care for people when they're sick, so it's like I can switch to that role pretty quickly. Um, I'm definitely not the one that's just like, you pussy, and then keep going. Um, I usually, I mean, for how drunk I get, I stay pretty responsible, I feel. Um, it's, it's a weird role, especially in this house. Like, I just started living here over the summer, obviously, and it's got this whole, like, executive positions to it. Like, it's all, it's a nonprofit, so it's, Fairly, like, it's under, for for housing and food, it's under $600 a month for normal, like, rent. That's pretty sweet. Which is awesome, because, like, that definitely affords me the ability to actually go to this school when I'm at. Um, but uh, I was actually, I like, I really, I'm very mechanically inclined, so I really like fixing shit. Yeah. And I was already doing that all summer anyways, because when I came in, it definitely had the vibe of, there's only been 18 year olds living here for the last 10 years and nothing's ever been done to it. So like <laughs> keep it up, like doorknobs falling off baseboards that are ripped off blinds ripped down. So I spent like half the summer, like I did two calculus courses over the summer and I spent like my free time fixing up the house. So <laughs> I actually, this, this last week was elected into a, the position of like house manager, which means like, I get 50% off the normal rent. Oh, nice. Um, and I get to go around fixing shit all day. So wow. it's kind of a sweet position. So you're already doing that anyway. Now they're going to give you a little kickback on it. Yeah. I get a little, I get a little, little something extra on the side. Now you're partying, is, you're partying with these kids and they're young right? people. And I, I remember from when I was in college, um, very often I think back and I, I would sometimes very much be feeling hard feelings and feeling melodramatic. And now from my perspective of where I'm at now, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that felt so real to me. I respect the fact that I felt that way. But but my problems then were smaller scale than I realized. Do you ever have times where like you're like hanging out with like a 21-year-old kid and he's had a couple drinks and he starts going on about some stuff and you're like, hey man, you know, like that's cool. But when I was your age, I straight up worked in a fucking foundry. You ever have that conversation? <laughs> I was making headstones. I, I try not. I I have and I haven't. So like, I try not. I'm very like, you know, everybody has their own journey, and so like, this kid's living his journey. I live mine. Mine varied, and I just kind of offer perspective. And like, that's. I mean, I give a lot of advice. I'm like, I'm always been the guy that shoulder like to cry on, or someone that will just sit there and listen. And I try not to to put myself in that position where like quit being a little bitch like you have it so good or anything like that because everyone has their own anxieties and their own struggles with where they're at so i i kind of just sit there and i go yeah man well have you ever thought about it maybe this way so you have the more mature version you have the more mature human version of what uh, i'm thinking (laughs) yes i don't know i i like to think that like i don't know i spent a lot of time thinking like i was living in this realism perspective but then i was talking to one of these kids and like for, like i was saying something and to me my perspective is i was just being real about the situation um 
I didn't really know what the aspect of it was as far as like, like that I was being negative. But he like, he like just got on me. He's like, fuck that, man. Fuck that. There's no reason for you to be so negative in that space or expect something to go wrong. Like it's just as realistic to expect that it would go fucking awesome. And so he like jumped down my throat on it. And like, I'm 28. This is a 20 year old kid. Like read me out. And it's like, he's fucking right. Really? And there's, there's no party that wants to get defensive. That's like, really? Cause I've cared for my dying father and I used to make fucking headstones. So I know what mortality is like. I faced down mortality. I used to make headstones. You little liberal <laughs> arts asshole. An instant part of me wanted to, to be like that, but then I'm like, you know what? Like, I've gone through, through like, a lot of, like, I really relate to a lot of your struggles. It's like, a lot of anxiety. I have mild OCD. I have an anxiety disorder. I have all these, like, I've, you know, I've spent a year where I didn't leave my room yeah. and was put on, like, nine different sleeping medications in a month, like, put on bad uh, just antidepressants where like, you know, cause I, so I've been through that mental health ringer yeah. um, enough to, I guess, be open about like an accepting of different perspectives of life. Cause the thing that ended up helping me the most out of like all the, the like mental health shit that I went through was just like therapy. Like as far as like just talking it out, like all the medicines, are just like they're a band-aid but they're they're a mask they, they won't actually get to the root of the problem they buy so, a lot like, of breathing room I, but you still got to deal with it yeah yeah and i just very like i opened up because of because of all that so i definitely from from being like i used to be in that position where i'm like you don't even know what fucking real is you little son <laughs> bitch like and then i definitely opened up from from that uh that's cool that uh the perspective to be because like I used to think like you're like you're like four years younger than me what the fuck do you know or you're 10 years younger what the fuck do you know but like man nobody knows what the fuck's happening and so you accept all advice I think that's true not all of it some of it's bullshit but I think that's really true you'd be open to a lot and you can actually like gain a lot from people that are you know younger than you and it's taken a lot for me to like shift my mind to from this, like, you're young, what the fuck do you know, to, like, oh, you have, like, value in your your statement and you have perspective through your own experience. To Absolutely. Offer that's different from mine. And, like, I mean, it takes all kinds to run this life, so why shouldn't I listen to you? It's true. I tell you, I think I don't know. we underestimate young people, and it's such a, such a foolish cliche to fall into, you know? I just did a college gig uh, earlier this week on Tuesday, and I had... You know, there's a whole thing with comedians where it's like, yeah, comedians, a lot of the big comedians won't even do college campuses because everything's so PC and you can't speak your mind there. And I had a bunch of jokes that I was thinking about cutting because they deal with some harsh stuff. And then I was like, nah, man, like if I bomb, I bomb or if I get in trouble, I get in trouble. And I I even said on stage, I was like, you know, I thought about cutting this stuff because it's a little more risque. But then I was like, I don't want to underestimate you guys that just because you're young, your opinions don't matter. And I think that Maybe some of the comedians who avoid colleges because they get slammed for being offensive need to think about how to say what they're saying in a smarter way. Maybe they should listen to you Sorry. guys instead of you cut, cut you out. out. You cut out there for a second. Sorry. That's okay. I was just on some fucking high horse anyway. Let's move saying. on. It's fine. It was just some dumb thing. I was on a high horse. I'm embarrassed I said it. You there? Yeah. So you were a mechanic, okay, huh? Okay, cool. So you were a mechanic for yeah, a while? Yeah, so I, I was... 
I was a mechanic for a while. I, you know, through high school, I kind of did this uh, technical college thing um, where, like, I'd go to the technical college for, you know, half the day. And I went through all the classes, and it was very much just to learn how to fix my own car. Um, And so going through that, like, I kind of fell in love with it, and that just became, I don't know, it's a very formative time in high school, right? So that became who I was for a while. It's just I'm a redneck mechanic kind of. Yeah. And I very much didn't grow up that way at all. Like my dad is a contract attorney. So like for like a large corporation dealing like software and stuff. So it's not like, um, I grew up redneck, but then like when I was like 18, I started hanging out around the redneck kids in my school. And that's, who I kind of turned out to be for the early part of my twenties. Now, let me ask you, let me ask you like, uh, and again, falling into a stereotype here might be true. Might be not. I know. Were you, were you like, uh, in trouble in school? Cause I know that when I was in high school, the kids who got sent to the other school to work on cars for half a day, they generally were kids who maybe had gotten in some trouble who would get sent off campus to do more tech driven stuff. I didn't like, I chose to do it and I got I don't know. I was a shit college or not college, but a high school student. Like I barely graduated, but in general, like I went to class and I wasn't too disruptive. Um, I definitely like ended up in the principal's office a few times. I got one kid arrested kind of on accident. How'd you um, do that? It was, he was like a fucking bully and we got into an altercation and he was like choking me. And then he like, got off and he's like, you fucking pussy. And I was like, you touched me. I'll sue you and your family for all your words. And I very much played the, my dad's a lawyer card, even though my dad never spent a day in court. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he made the comment like, oh, do it. You'll be dead before you get home. And so me not thinking, I'm like, oh, like, I want to see if this is true. So I called a law office and asked them if I really could sue them. And they were like, really like, like, you should call the police. And of course, not thinking, I'm like, oh, okay, that's the next step in this to find out if I can't sue this kid. And then I called the police and I was like, can you just tell him like not to do it anymore? And they're like, oh, no, you you called the police and this happened on school property. We have to make an arrest. <laughs> I said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> that's going to be bad for me. <laughs> they're like, well, too late. So they arrest so this kid. I a lot of report and everything. <laughs> Uh, it was bad. And well, I thought it was going to be bad. It turned out to be fine. Like the kid came into the principal's office crying. Turned out he'd like smoked a whole bunch of pot during lunch. And then like, so he was high and scared out of his mind. And then he got arrested for like assault and battery and like threat up on life <laughs> and having drugs in a school free, like a drug free zone. So wow. he, he, he got what was coming to him kind of. Do you have to face um, the but, wrath of his crew after that? No, that was the thing. He really didn't have a crew. He was just kind of an asshole. So I, I went, like, like, he was in my weights class. And so there were some kids that kind of lit with, lifted weights with him. And I'm pretty sure the kid was on steroids. But, like, they're like, did you really get that kid arrested? I was like, yeah, man, I didn't, I didn't mean to. They're like, good, that kid's a dick. I'm like, oh, hey. <laughs> it worked out. Nice. Nice. So, I don't know. I got in trouble a little bit in high school, but definitely wasn't like, it was more so to like, there's a question is like to fix my own car. I had a 1985 Volvo wagon that was 
in bad shape, but I yeah. gotta learn to fix and keep running on that. So now, can I ask you? Can I ask you a couple questions, uh, just on a self-serving, yeah. selfish level? So th- this is maybe out, of li- maybe out of line, maybe not the best listening for the listener at home. So I got a 2012 Ford Fiesta, and just last night I'm driving it, and there's a lot of traffic, and I'd been driving like an hour, and I see all this like smoke coming out from under the right side of the hood. I couldn't tell if it was smoke or steam. Engine coolant light comes on. Am I fucked yeah. on? Am I fucked on this? It's got a uh, no, little no. under seventy thousand miles. A little this. bit under seventy thousand miles on it. Okay, let me ask you this. Did you keep driving on it? I drove it. You need to pull it over. I drove it about another half mile to where I was going, which was my Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym. I took a class because I'm a badass. And then afterwards, yeah. I went and uh, I put some water in it and drove it to a gas station, got some coolant, dumped it in with the water. I've been thinking about getting rid of this car anyway, so I might just do it. I might just get rid of it. I it sounds like you blew a like a heater hose. I um, went over a big line. I went over this big thing that I thought was a speed bump, but I think was just a big fucked up chunk of road and it went like up and hard like the junk like I came down. I was like, oh, that was bad. Oh, you might have fucked your radiator, honestly, on that then. So I gotta just get rid of it. I'm so, thinking about buying a new car anyway. Gotta, I'm not gonna replace the yeah, radiator. Just get a new car, guy. Like, no, don't waste your time with a fiesta. Spend some of that Casper money. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, discussion of my 2012 Ford Fiesta is this show at its most intense, and therefore I think we need a break. Luckily, we have some advertisers to provide that break. Listen to the things they offer. If they appeal to you, use the promo codes. It really helps the show when you do. We'll be right back. Support for today's show comes from Third Love. Using millions of real women's measurements, Third Love designs its bras with breast size and shape in mind for an impeccable fit an incredible feel. Just answer a few simple questions from Third Love's Fit Finder quiz to find your perfect fit. Third Love offers double the number of sizes that most brands offer, cups A through H, bands up to 48, and with lightweight memory foam cups, straps that won't slip, and tagless labels, you'll want to wear these soft and breathable bras and underwear every day. Especially the new cotton t-shirt bras and underwears. And they got a 100% fit guarantee. Okay, so returns and exchanges are free and easy. My wife enjoyed the third love experience. She uh, thought the process was super simple and smooth and actually made her feel very included in the process of figuring out exactly what she needed. And she thought the detailing on the bra that she received was quite nice. She made a point of mentioning that to me. Third love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash beautiful now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash beautiful for 15% off today. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, budget, and lifestyle. Okay, Stitch Fix. It's a cool service. Used it with Hallie, my lovely wife, and uh, we loved it. We loved it. She was able to pick out all sorts of stuff that really fit her wheelhouse. And she's a she's a stylish person, but it's real specific, you know. And uh, she was able to go through and, and and have an experience that felt really personalized to her, uh, which is not always easy when you're doing your own thing. You got your own look. It was cool. Then they sent the whole box. She was able to go through it, get excited, pick out what she wanted. It was awesome. 
Stitch Fix can help you find your new favorite piece of clothing. Just go to stitchfix.com slash stories and tell them your sizes, what styles you like, and how much you want to spend on each item. You'll be paired with your very own personal stylist who will handpick five items to send right to your door. Try them on, pay only for what you love, and return the rest. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. There's no subscription required. You can sign up to receive scheduled shipments or get your fix whenever you want. Stitch Fix's styling fee is only 20 bucks, which is applied toward anything you keep from your shipment. Get started now at stitchfix.com stories. You'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com stories to get started today. stitchfix.com stories stories. Thanks again to all of our advertisers. Now let's get back to Beautiful Anonymous. I'm not going to replace the yeah. radiator. Just get a new car, guys. Like, no, go on. Waste your time with that Fiesta. Spend some of that Casper money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it depends. So to answer the question on that is if you drive too long, like so, if you overheat the engine, the thing that's going to happen is you're going to warp the head. And that's kind of like the kind of the cap that goes over the pistons, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. if you want that, they're machined down to be like contacting perfectly so they can contain the explosion that happens within the end and it drives the power. Yeah. And if that gets warped, then there's gaps and then that pressure escapes to places it's not supposed to be. And then that's how you end up with fucking your engine. So I can't put any more money into this it, car. Can't put any more money into this car. I mean, it sounds like it's just. It might be like a radiator issue, so I mean that's not too expensive. But if you're not digging the car anyways, I wouldn't advise keep throwing money into it. I'd start looking into something that you are proud to drive or you want to drive. I'm trying to get a hybrid, do my part for the environment, you know? Yeah, treat yourself, yeah. Like Thanks, save man. those dollars on Thanks, gas. Man. Yeah. Because yeah. it's expensive. I might go out get myself. I'm looking at the Kia Nero. You got any opinions on the Kia Nero? If anybody listening has opinions on the Kia Nero, please let me know. Kia Nero. I've never even heard of it. It's a hybrid SUV from the Kia company. My brother just got a, a Kia Cadenza. Oh, how's he liking it? It seems pretty nice. I haven't ridden in oh, it yet. Nice. But this is just us talking about Kias. It look, it's a good little, nice little sidetrack. Nice little sidetrack where we talk about <laughs> Kias. Um... I don't talk about anything. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm a geosciences major, so I'm like a rock nerd. Yeah, what are you going to um, do with that? But, I, all right, so honestly, I want to work in water. Uh, I'm kind of fascinated with water and, and water science. Mm-hmm. So I originally was thinking of doing, like, hydrogeology and, and working in aquifers and doing, like, aquifer contamination cleanup. But the more I've looked into it, that's been more like a – an engineering standpoint uh, thing that works on that kind of stuff. And I'm very much not down with doing that. Look, not mm. for, my, for my, I mean, I already went through two count courses over the summer and they were like brutal. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking more policy regarding water now because the school I'm at has like one of the leading, uh, like, uh, arbitrators or mitigators, in dealing with water kind of conflict stuff. So I, and I'm actually taking a class with him right now. So that's really, and it's really been really interesting. So I'm thinking I might change more policy wise rather than the, the engineering 
behind fixing contaminated aquifers. So is this so thinking policy? Uh, is this about trying to like influence influence the government to take action on things related to to global warming and towards uh, people's ability to live yeah. in certain areas based on the availability of water, that type of I stuff? I mean, yeah, well, water is this resource that we all share, right? And there's like several main drainage basins and really like intricate ways that we use water and that we share water. Like there's a certain town in Wisconsin that is like half the town is on this, is in one drainage basin while half the other one is in the Great Lakes drainage basin. And, like, there's a pact between all the states that touch the Great Lakes that they can't pump any water outside of the basin. So half the town can get its water from this, um, this other basement, but the other half, has, other half of the town has to pump it from ground wells. So it's this weird, like, dynamic is where this whole town, they, like, can't get all their water from one source legally because of this pact that divides their town like right down the middle. And so all that kind of shit just really like, I, I nerve out on that. Um, maybe it's because I'm a lawyer's son or whatever, but I'm really interested in the law and the policy regarding like why we can use certain resources, why we can't, how using things in a certain way might impact, you know, people, other water users down the line. Like I learned yesterday that California, 19% of the energy you consumed in California is used to pump water to Los Angeles. Right, and that blew my mind. Los Angeles, because I've seen Chinatown. Los Angeles is a place that it's a desert. It shouldn't, people should, that amount of people should not be living there if we weren't manipulating it to be so, correct? Exactly. Yeah. And so, like, they're, they're pulling water from the Colorado River, they're pumping it, or they're pulling it from Owens Valley. And they're they're pumping from up up north near like like near the top of the state. So it's like all these water resources are getting diverted out of their natural spot. And then there's like this makes these concepts of like going into water debt is what they call it. And that's like using the the groundwater faster than it's replenished. And like you have a great example, it's like in Oklahoma there's there's earthquakes where there really shouldn't be. There's not a lot of plate tectonic activity happening there, you know, and all most, I think all of the earthquakes there, they, and then they get up to like 3.0s, like sometimes more from what I've heard. And like, it's all from over pumping water to feed Texas, Oklahoma, Nebraska. Like that's one giant aquifer right there. Not like Ogawa, Ogawa, something like that. Um, but because they're pumping so much water, like the internal structures of the earth are actually like collapsing, creating earthquakes. Wow. And that, that shit blows my mind. And so, that, I don't know, that's the shit I geek out on. Dude, like, I, I mean, we're overusing this resource or mis- mishandling it. And there's better ways we can go about it. And I want to look into how we can better do that. I love that. I love that you spend your whole week thinking, man, there might be an opportunity to really like research this use of natural resources, how we're disrupting the land, how we might be overextending ourselves um, as a species. Yeah. And you spend all week doing that. And then Saturday comes and yeah, you get oh, fucked up with the kids, man. Saturday comes and you start getting fucked up. 
I can't wait till Saturday to just stop thinking about. No, I I think about it more when I'm like drunk or high than really? anything. Now, as someone studying um, science right now and someone studying the effect of humanity on the actual Earth, how scared are you? Um, as far as like I don't know. So, like I said, I have an anxiety disorder, and I used to worry about, oh, what is my impact going to be on this world? But when I got into the geosciences, it like it relieved so much anxiety for me because I thought about not only our planet or like everything around me. Cause I used to get so worried about all these problems. And then I thought about, I'm like, well, the earth is still going to be here after we've fucked it up and we're long dead and gone. Cause we talk about like, Oh, the earth is dying or whatever. It's like, we're really just shooting ourselves in the foot with like overconsumption and, you know, reducing EPA regulations, all the, like all this stuff that's, contributing to higher amounts of greenhouse gases that warm the earth. Like the earth is going to be fine. It's us that we're kind of fucking, but that, that idea of like, that I'm kind of pretty much like insignificant in the grand scheme of things of like how old, like earth is like 4.6 billion years old. Like we're like, if you were to put all of earth's time scale on a football field, we're like less than the last inch of all of humanity. Yeah. Of like to the goal line, like it's so insignificant in this time, even though we're really fucking up for the rest of the animals. Like, I don't know that to me, it provides a little bit of solace. So I don't, I don't really worry personally. I mean, I do. Cause I like, I like to snowboard and <laughs> I do like the winter. I like being cold and then, but I don't like huge nasty storms. Um, I worry and I don't. To answer your question. So on a, on, I don't a know. on a grand level, you've come to learn that humanity is going to erase itself into non-existence, but we've had such a relatively and, low impact that if we stop being self-centered, we can see that Earth will be fine. But on a mini level, yeah. you're bummed you might not be able to snowboard as much if the snow melts. Oh, absolutely. I'm super bummed about that. And it's super and like I really feel for people that like are subjected to these nasty storms. So like I don't know, last, last summer I was in a really bad, bad spot, like mentally, um, you know, some family shit went on and I was just I was in a super negative headspace and then hurricane Harvey hit and I was watching on the news and I was just seeing, you know, people that were stuck in their homes. They're like, they couldn't get out and they like the whole Cajun Navy came out and they were going out rescuing people. And I so badly wanted to be a part of like, helping in that moment because i i was so sick of seeing every time like oh what's the nat- newest fucking natural disaster newest shooting like whatever the horrible shit that's happened this week and it's such a helpless feeling seeing that on the news and not being able to do anything about it because i'm a poor broke college student like what can i do you know right. i can argue with people on facebook but that doesn't do shit so i i asked my dad if i could sell this car that had been sitting in the front in front of our house for three years he said okay and so i sold this car for like 800 bucks and i just hopped in my car and i drove down to houston to try and help out after that and so and it, it was an amazing experience to see like the i one thing that's just the devastation of like holy shit like seeing mounds of trash and like all it wasn't even trash it was people with lives their livelihood like their whole their families, like what they've built in the front yard, 12 feet high in a pile waiting for FEMA to come pick it up. Like 
and it's just ruined. I I helped one lady that, you know, we were helping clear out the homes. Anything the water touched was just garbage. Like you couldn't, it was so contaminated, you couldn't clean it up. So, I mean, I really felt for this one lady. She's sitting there looking at this yearbook and tossing through it and fam- family photo albums. And she just has to take one last look and toss it into the pile because like, you can't keep it. And that was like, I, it very much drives me in like geosciences, like pursuit when like school gets tough. Like I just reflect on those times and like anything I can do to help make that less, make that happen less. I feel like it's like my duty as like a decent human being to do. Like, if I have the capability to, you know, make an impact, like, I think I'm a piece of shit if I don't do that to the fullest, to my degree. Like, fullest potential. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm not super, I mean, I'm kind of self-centered, but not super self-centered when it comes to that. Like, I had one advisor in college, she said, like, that I restored her faith in humanity after that. And she's been like one of my like most awesome, like supporters since I got my associate's degree. Like she's helped me get set up in the place where I'm at now. And I'd very much like to give a shout out to her, but I don't want to also name drop. But I mean, if she hears this, she knows who she is. And I just want to say thank you so much for all you've done. Uh, Yeah. Wow. She's trying to do some good in this world. No, I liked it. I liked it. Let me ask you, can I ask you this? Because this might be something you study. This might be something you don't. I'm, I have a vague understanding of something that you might know more about. And it sounds like you're reading about this from the perspective where you might know this. So from what I hear is, you know, this the word refugee gets tossed around a lot. And people make a lot of assumptions about why refugees start out traveling. From what I've read a little bit, a lot of it comes down to people don't have access to water because they don't have water, they can't grow crops. They don't have access to food. So you got to leave and you got to go someplace where you can find those things. I've heard that one of the big environmental disasters that we're setting up as humanity is that as we kind of burn out our resources in certain areas, we're going to have large swaths of people who can't live, who need to go somewhere else. And it's it's going to be a more and more common problem. Is this something you can speak to? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So... Most water usage goes towards agriculture, right? When we talk about like water prices or anything like that, most mostly what we're talking about is, you know, growing food for for people, and you really do run into to situations where there's definitely um, people that are running out of food, or they're they're in some place that like like I, I'm not too well versed in all all the water sciences or like the conflicts or Famines that have happened from it as of yet. But I do know that, like, there is very much close, I don't know if they're direct, like, direct, like, causal relations, but there is a relationship between, you know, lack of water or drought and political unrest. And then there's refugees from that because, you know, if, if I can't get water where I'm at, I'm going to go to someplace that I can and then that person feels like oh i'm taking from their limited resource and then there's feuds and then from that grows conflict and violence it stems out of that and i feel like a lot of the when it said the negative connotations surrounding refugees we're thinking about those conflicts that happen 
because of, you know, water shortages and whatnot. And there's, there's, so as far as like the changing water, um, so you have a water budget, right? And it's kind of like you take in all the factors of like, oh, precipitation, snow pack, um, average temperature throughout the year, right? And we have like a, a water fiscal year. It actually just started on October 1st. And that's when the water year starts, right? And we, you, can, you can kind of draw a baseline for, for late summer. You know, that's kind of like when we have the least amount of water runoff from storage areas whether those are aquifers or snowpack or wherever it is in the world, right? And as the winter comes, right, you get more rain. You get more, you know, water storage. But, like, if you live in a mountainous area, you get it in the form of snowpack. Um, and that kind of replenishes the storms. But as the climate gets warmer, right, we talk about weather versus climate, and weather is day-to-day. Right, you know, it can fluctuate huge, and we can never really predict the weather. But climate-wise, we can tell there's an average trend of in- that it's increasing. And as you go up with that trend, you have an effect on when that water is distributed throughout the year. So, say we're normally get like a, a nice gentle kind of bell curve of water distribution throughout the summer from a snowpack or something like that. That's higher up in the mountains where we get our water source from. If we change the, the temperature to where it's, you know, not as much snow is staying, you know, frozen for long enough or, like, we have really hot days, so instead of the peak flow being in, like, June or July, you're now having your peak flow in, in March. So, like, the water amount is the same, but the distribution over time changes. And so, I mean, we already have I'm, the rain still falling in March, right, in, say, like, a coastal area. But we're also getting runoff from snow melt in that time. So we have a lot of water coming down that we don't, we have more than we need in that moment. But then we don't have it later on when, you, when we have a need later in the summer. And so when we look about like climate and how that affects water, that's what we're looking at uh, for a lot of it is the water distribution throughout the months. So it's a lot of so logistics. That, that's definitely. Is it fair to say that there's too many human beings? Is it fair to say that there's more human beings on Earth than is necessary or sustainable? Uh, That's a huge question. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know as far as all of our resources. I mean, I've heard that figure a lot. Like we have more than we can sustain, especially with our our practices now. We, I think, we do have more than we can sustain. But damn. It's all about where those people live, you know. Yeah. Because as as populations grow, right, cities then start drawing more water for their needs. Well, when they draw more water for their needs, there's less that are going to the farms and to grow agriculture. And then they can't support their own life there, right? The farmer can't grow his crops, so then he has to move to the city. And so it's this, like, negative feedback loop where it just, like, diminishes the water resource that should be going to crops as we're shifting it to more personal consumption uses. Yeah. Um, and like one thing people can do to help mitigate this, I mean, I, we talk a lot about causes, but we never really talk about like fixes or just personal things people can do. Is like, even when you're brushing your teeth or shaving, it's just turning the water off. Like 
like I, I used to be that person just left the, the sink running the entire time. And it's like, yeah, well, we're going to have to reap that water resource will replenish, but there's energy consumed in treating it when it, when it comes before it comes to your house. And then we also have to treat it after it goes into wastewater. And so if you can reduce your usage there, that kind of provides more for everyone down the line. You weren't lying. You really are a big nerd about this stuff, huh? You really like to get nerdy about this stuff. Absolutely. I'm a huge fucking nerd about it. We got a big old nerd nerding out about water. A lot of different nerds call this show. It's about all different nerdy nerd things. Dad, we got a water guy. Dad's going to be proud. Hey, we got some advertisers. Check out what they have to offer. Use the promo codes. It helps the show when you do. We'll be right back with more phone call. Sometimes the smallest changes can have the biggest benefits. An easy change that your body will thank you for. Switching to aluminum-free coconut deodorant from Kopari. Kopari's coconut deodorant is aluminum-free and vegan. It's also free of silicone, sulfates, parabens, GMOs, and baking soda, so it's great for sensitive skin. Kopari's deodorant fights odor with plant-based actives such as sage oil and coconut oil. doesn't leave behind a sticky white residue, just the sweet, subtle scent of fresh coconut milk, and it outlasts your longest days. This is Kopari's number one selling product. They can barely keep it in stock. They also offer a deodorant subscription. I think this is the smartest thing, man. You choose how often you want to receive your deodorant. They ship it to you automatically for free. So you never run out of deodorant again. Kopari offers a money-back guarantee, so there's no reason not to try it today. I use Kopari. They sent it to me, and I, you know, I, was, I had my old deodorant, and I was used to that, and I've started using my Kopari every day, and I tell you, it's just as strong as my other deodorant. It fits in the medicine cabinet. It's a, a little, I'd say the shape, the, the actual shape of this, this is a weird thing to say. It's more logical than how those deodorants are usually shaped. Those ones don't fit in the medicine cabinet. It's a weird, weird width and too tall. Gopari's really got a lot of stuff figured out, and I like it. I like it, and it uh, has me smelling good, and it is. It's so, it's, it's vegan, all the other stuff they say. It's just as strong as any other deodorant I've ever used, and it's the one I prefer now. Go to coparibeauty.com slash beautiful to make the safe switch today and save $5 off your first order when you subscribe. That's Copari, K-O-P-A-R-I, beauty.com slash beautiful, coparibeauty.com slash beautiful. Thanks again to everybody who sponsors Beautiful Anonymous. Now let's finish off the phone call. You weren't lying. Well, you really are a big nerd about this stuff, huh? You really like to get nerdy oh, yeah. about this no, stuff. absolutely. Wow. I'm a huge fucking nerd about it. You love water. My dad is, you know, my I mentioned on the show before, I think my dad has a PhD in environmental science and he's a water treatment guy. That was like his area of expertise. Yeah. You and my dad could sit down and actually, talk all day. <laughs> that's actually one of the one of the things that kind of put me into what I wanted to do and I heard you talk about that. That um, can't be true. You are talk about my dad liking man, water was, and you were like, I like water. And now well, I, it, it was, it was very much in a time where I was taking one of like my most basic theology courses, and my my uh, professor, she was like an extraplanetary geologist, like she looks at rocks from you know and geological structures from other planets to look for like evidence of water and stuff like that. Um, but her, I think her father-in-law and like the several people in her family were either hydrogeologists or worked in water rights law. So that's what really got me. You know, I was like kind of like thinking about it 
and I, yeah, I heard you talking about your, your dad does work in, in water treatment. I'm like, that's fucking interesting. Like, there's this whole science around water that I was previously like not clued into at all. I can't so wait that, to tell my dad that he's inspiring the youth of America. Can't my father's going to be thrilled to hear that he has inspired at least one young man. <laughs> now let me ask you, what's the most yeah, co- yeah, what's the most college shit you've done since you've been on campus? What's the most collegey? What's the situation you've looked around and been like, yeah, I took a long time to get to college, but I'm really here at college right now. The, like the most collegey shit, I think it's just like. I don't know, man. Like tailgating for for the football game so far has been like what I feel is like okay, this is like what college is about. Um, know, there's a lot. Like Chris, things are looking out for me right now. I'm actually really in a good spot in my life. That's good. Where I haven't felt like this. Like this, so much is going good right now. And, you know, like you get suspicious because it's going so good. Like wait, what was that word? I'm, I'm having a little. Level. Having a little trouble hearing oh, your phone. Sorry. That's okay. You on a headphone or something? Oh, here. Let me see if I can. Yeah, I am. Let me see if I can take that off. Okay, is that better? So much better. I wish I had asked you to do that 40 minutes ago. <laughs> Shit. My bad. People are going to okay, be so, so mad yeah. at me. Everyone listening is going to be so mad. All the internet feedback is going to be like, Gethard? That was like, it sounded like tinny, and then you ask him with 17 minutes left if there's anything he can do, and he does it, and it's crystal clear and perfect. Gethard, you are a poor host, and you're bad at your job. That's what I'm predicting. I should have been willing to be honest. I was, these are kind of getting all mad at me. Oh, wait. Um, it's not that much better. <laughs> what a, okay, now I forgot the question. Oh, I did too. I'm so distracted. Uh, I'm so distracted. My oh, the college asking you college shit that you've done tailgating. Oh, college shit. I, I'm just like doing, you know, three shots of tequila, then writing a stats report, and then going to class at 8 a.m. Like, I don't know, just trying to live the party life and the and the studious life at the same time is pretty collegey to me. I don't know the the campus that I'm at is. It's like picturesque as far as like, it's what I envisioned college being as a kid, like what you see on TV. Like it's a very beautiful campus where I'm at. And so I get, I almost went to a city school because they are offering like a free tuition program, but then I did the math and like, it wasn't saving me all that much money with diagnostics or cost of living. So yeah, I don't know. I, I just like, like, I just want, Getting high and logging on the campus at night, that's another one. Wait, what was I'm that? State I, where it's, uh, what was that part? I couldn't oh, hear you. Uh, getting high and walking around campus at night. I I didn't, I live in a, a state that was one of the first ones to, to legalize. So, uh, some of my roommates do. Oh, wait, you, hold on. Hold on. There's something you keep right. doing that fixes it. Your sound. Something you keep adjusting every time I call it out. I'm just going to ask you, just keep doing that. Just keep, all right. I don't know what I'm doing. Whatever I'm, it is that I'm you do. I'm going to hold still. Fixes is it. Is it working now? Right now it's working. And then every once in a while you'll okay, be saying a sentence and then do. this happens where you'll be halfway through. That's what happens. Oh, shit. That's okay. I think it's my shitty phone. This, this phone actually, funny story, I found it in a lake. 
What are you talking uh, about? What are you even talking about? <laughs> you can't find your fucking phone I, in I a was lake. Fishing. No. I was fishing for a, I was pre fishing for a bass tournament. I do like competitive bass fishing. No, you didn't. And I saw, and obviously I'm a rock nerd, so I looked in the water and I'm like, that rock looks weird. And then I kind of waited out there. I was probably in a uh, two feet of water. I pulled it out and it's like an iPhone 7 Plus. But when you, I, so hold I put on. it in rice. <laughs> you put it in rice and it started yeah. functioning again? Yeah, I put it in rice over the weekend. And I plugged it in, and it like started functioning again. And so then I tried to find the owner, and I had a friend that worked at the Apple store. And I'm like, hey, like, do you think you can help me find the owner? And they're like, honestly, if you give it to us, we're just going to send it back to Apple. It's not going to make it back to the owner. So I'm like, well, fuck that. Like, I could use a new phone. So I looked up what I had to do to – like, first I put up ads to try and find the person on Craigslist and on Facebook at the for, like, the park that I found it at. And – waited three months and I got a couple responses, but people were asking for like, Oh, they're like, I'm like, I asked them to tell me the color and what was the background was. Cause I feel like I could probably, you know, narrow it down for that. Cause it was like someone like little girl on the, on the, on the background, but I never got an accurate response. And so after three months, I'm like, Hey, mine now. So you fished a phone out of a fucking lake and then you call my call in based show. With your garbled ass phone. Yes, I did. I'm like, oh, what's up with your phone? You're like, oh, I found it in a lake. Oh, weird that there's occasional sound problems, man. How weird. That is weird. Oh, yeah. Really surprising. <laughs> God forbid you do something in your life that doesn't revolve around the water. You treat the you treat lakes right. like goddamn iPhone, like Apple stores. <laughs> Call my call and show with your water phone. I tried to call in so many guys. Yes, yes, no idea. Like, to the point where I'll make like a hundred calls and it's like in a row. And then like I saw, I was watching the show Big Mouth because season two just came out. Uh-huh. And I looked up. I just happened to look up in the notification. It says today might be the day that you get through. Look at that. And now you're and here. Sure shit. Now you're here. Tell me. Got sandals. I'm here on the phone. Now you're here. Tell me. Getting yelled at by me about your lake phone. <laughs> So as someone as someone who uh, walked a very circuitous path to get to college, now you're very into it, very nerdy about sciences, driven towards it. I'm someone who I've mentioned on the show so many times. I sometimes I'm like, man, college. I should have thought. I, I didn't. I like uh, it wasn't good for me. I was depressed. Kids should hold off. But you're someone who fought so hard to get there, and I really just support that. You must not take it for granted at all, huh? I do. I still do. I struggle with that. I think everyone does at times. But I definitely, I definitely go work. I'm I'm in a constant state. I'm in a state of constant analysis of myself, where I, I'm trying to always look for ways that I can be better, or like, what am I not being grateful for in this moment? And that's, I I write it down in one of my little notebooks, like because I like when I get stressed, I get memory loss. So like. I have to write, write shit down. And that's one of the things is when I get very stressed and I start like thinking about like, why am I even here? It's just drop out. I could go make money doing, you know, whatever. It's reminding myself of why I'm here, why I'm doing what I'm doing. And then also that, Hey, when you get stressed, you get forgetful and shit. So you should, you know, 
I don't know, be grateful for where you're at and stop stressing about whether you're going to succeed or not and just put the work in. Because at the end of the day, like, it's a doable thing if you just, and it's very hard to do, but like to just focus on doing the work. Yeah. Instead of worrying about the grade or worrying about whether you're going to succeed, it's just like, okay, what can I do to make progress right now? That's it. And I feel like that has That's been big. the most helpful thing for me is to just refocus my energy on what I need to do rather than the outcome. I tell you, that's a lot of what my new book's about, but you wouldn't know that because you stopped following my work a while ago. (laughs) (laughs) Why ain't I just a piece of shit? No. (laughs) No, you're a good dude. I'm having fun with you. I'm having fun with you. Well, I'm going to put it on my reading list. There's a lot on there. Thanks. Yeah, no, you got enough on your (laughs) plate. A lot of textbook reading. Like right now, I'm in a a mineralogy class, and that class is the bane of my existence. Look. I don't need you reading my book right now. I need you reading those textbooks so you can be the one to help fix this global warming situation. Okay. Read well, I'll put later. it on my purchase list. I'm going to yeah. on my cell phone so I can find it. What? Your your phone just went Dive back in. under the surface of the goddamn lake. You oh, did God something. Damn it! You know you did I'm something with your it. mouth there. Don't pretend. I did. I, 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 You're doing it again right now. What about now? Wait, what about now, though? Now it's fine. I like you. Gooder or Better. worser? Uh, gooder. Let me ask you this. So you were a mechanic? Yeah. You're a mechanic. You made yeah. headstones. You worked in leather yeah. and at a foundry. Mm-hmm. Four different yeah. jobs that want to hear. I don't know the nature of the leather work, but four jobs. I mean, headstone maker, mechanic, foundry, right there. These are, uh, mm-hmm. these are, these are jobs that involve physical labor. Out of yeah. out of the different jobs you did in your in your uh, pre college stretch, which would you say was the most backbreaking? I'm voting foundry. Uh, the headstone, headstone headstones work. more than foundry. Foundry was very much like we did small sand casting, um, okay. mostly ornamental stuff. So we made like, I mean, we did make like a couple like certain wrenches. Um, this, but this guy, you know, that was his main product that he made was these wrenches that you could open up a paint bucket with or open up a fire hydrant with, like a five-in-one thing. Um, okay. But they were small, small things. It wasn't, like, huge pouring. And it was very, like, it was at night, and there was no OSHA regulation really around it. Like, if OSHA went by this place, they'd have this, and a, like an anxiety attack of all, of, like, the violation. I breathed in so much, like, oily smoke. I'm the sand casting that I'm probably going to get lung cancer one day. And you said that you and but you said headstones. You said headstones was more concerning than this. You went to headstones oh, right away. Uh, so breathing in oily smoke in a plant the government would have shut down, not as much as headstones. Yeah. Tell me about headstones. Headstones. Uh, it was an interesting. You know, I only did that for about four or five months during the, like it was kind of a seasonal job. Um, that my friend, you know, my friend had worked there for a couple of years. Um, but it was a, like, I was the person that sandblasted the headstone. So we used a stencil, lay that on a blank of a stone. And then I would sandblast, basically carving out the, the engraving. Uh-huh. And then we'd take that out, it'd be painted, and then set it in concrete. And then from there, we'd go and set it in the cemetery. And it's like, it's a long process. Dying, Chris, like, don't ever die because it's so goddamn expensive to die in this country. Like, 
I did one headstone that was that I helped out on. They didn't really trust me with much on it, but it was twenty thousand dollars. Twenty thousand for a headstone. Twenty grand on a headstone. On average, our headstones were costing three. $4,000. Now, it doesn't sound as bad as so, breathing in endless amounts of oily smoke. It's well, it's backbreaking with setting the headstones in the cemetery because you run into to, you know different soil conditions where it's like super heavy clay or if it's um, like really rocky, like alluvium, stuff like that where you've got to like dig it out and you have to dig kind of down. You don't just kind of plop it down on the on top, you've got to set it in the ground level, and like that one, like I think I couldn't feel like the tips of my fingers. I could develop like carpal tunnel from it, and so I it was like a good six seven months before I could feel my thumbs again after I quit there. Wait, you couldn't you? So you were a guy who helped design and install headstones. You said you couldn't feel your thumbs for six months after quitting. Yeah, it was from from setting them in the ground because you're just using shovels oh. and it's a lot of shovel work. And I'm not like had a lot of health problems as far as like I'm not the most. When you look at like physical labor, like my body's not meant for that. <laughs> but I was like stubborn and wanted to do it anyways to kind of I don't know prove something in the world. I don't know. But I, yeah, I doing that really like fucked with the nerves in my hands. I guess. And so I couldn't feel like the tips of my fingers for a while. I don't know if that's a normal thing in like people that dig a lot. <laughs> and you said, you said this was that seasonal really work. You said this was seasonal work. Yeah. Cause are people are, do, are, do more people die? Is there like a big rush for headstones in a certain well, it's season? Just Memorial day, you know, it's Memorial days, you know, memorialized, you know, those that we've lost, especially those like are, you know, soldiers and stuff stuff right, like that. Right, so there's right. a huge push to get to get headstones in by Memorial Day. And so I think the two weeks leading up to it, I was working eighty hours a week. Oh my god. Uh, to get all the stones. We had like two hundred and forty stones we had to get set. Oh no. Uh, and we had like two or three trucks doing it. So, oh. so we two... take, you know, twelve to fifteen out at a at a time. Oh god. And all related to death. All related to death. All related to death. You you develop a different like uh, relationship with death in that in kind of in that not super different, um, but you definitely view it from a different angle of this, like from like a business side of things, or like it's less. It becomes less sad because you get people that you know they want to be there while you're setting the headstone in, and it's like pretty physically demanding work, and like. I tend to cuss like a sailor when I'm like in pain. And yeah. so you have to watch yourself. And, but like when people are just so grateful for like, like, wow, it looks really beautiful. Thank you. Like it makes you kind of appreciate the people you have in your life at that moment, because you can see like the pain they're going through and like the, you know, the amount of money they're putting in to memorialize their loved one, you know? Yeah. And they're so grateful in that moment when you, you set something up for them. That's like that, they can really like pay tribute to their loved one. Yeah. That's, that's it's actually a really cool uh, position to be in. Hey, and I, I, you know, I don't want to be macabre at all, but you just mentioned appreciating your loved ones. I have been meaning to ask, mm-hmm. you mentioned that your dad has some heart problems. How's he doing? Uh, he's doing all right. He had a recent episode. 
because my parents just finalized their divorce. And when my mom was up here kind of getting the last of her shit out of the house, um, he had another, he has like, goes into AFib where his heart just beats too fast. And he like, he also has like diabetes. And so he does, but he doesn't really watch what he eats. It's kind of like a really po- real point of contention. Cause it's like, God damn it. Keep like, start taking care of yourself. Like have some self-respect and like stop eating pies and shit. But, um, he's doing better now. He's, he, you know, he was retired for a while, but now he's working again. And that's kind of really helping him, I think, to, good. to get back on track. But like he would, he would be in a space where he, you know, when he, he's been taken to the hospital a few times where I was living with him and his blood sugar would be at like 600, which I don't know the scale. It's like astronomically high. Oh, wow. And so they'd have to keep him in the hospital for a few days after they'd shock his heart back into rhythm just Jeez. to get his blood sugar down and under control. But you said now he's working again and, and it's it's helping a little bit? Yeah. Well, that's good. He's working He's working again and he's, you know, he's kind of on the up and up. So I'm, you know, I'm hoping he's doing better. I'm, I got to call him. Actually. I haven't spoken to him in a little while, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's doing a lot better. But thanks for asking, though, man. Of course. Well, hey, dude, we got about a minute and a half left. We've heard about your life—the twenty-eight-year-old oh, man living amongst the eighteen, nineteen-year-olds walked a path to get there, and the foundries <laughs> and the graveyards of this world, trying to focus on water and what it really means and how we can help improve our future through regulating it properly mm-hmm. and thinking harder about it. Final minute on the show. What would you like to put out there? Um, I don't know, man, but there's one aspect that I wanted to hit that I guess we don't really have much time, but like my secret, like passion in life is like voice acting. And that's like, I, I, if the whole geology thing doesn't work out, that's kind of the route I wanted to go. What? But yeah. Voice acting. Best of me, aren't you? You got, you got a good voice, but you're just going to throw that at me with a minute left. Well, I, all right. Yeah. All right. Here, let's rattle through some, some, uh, voices and like. You can do like Scooby like Ray, <laughs> Ray, and then I do like a pretty convincing Australian accent. So I spend a lot of time convincing people that I'm actually in from Australia and have a whole big story that goes along with it. Um, and then like I do like the whole SpongeBob thing song. It's like no, I don't know. There's a lot of different. <laughs> little characters that I do. And so I figure if the geology thing doesn't work out, I can just fall back on that kind of. <laughs> Are you there? Oh, shit. Caller, thank you for calling. And if the whole idea of you helping to uh, litigate water and water-related issues in an effort to save the world doesn't work out. I hope you put that uh, pretty good Australian accent to use. I hope you find a way to do it. What a fantastic and strange ending. Man, that one made me laugh. At the end, thank you so much, caller, for calling. Thank you to everybody who listens and supports the show. Thank you to Jared O'Connell and Harry Nelson in the booth. Thanks, Justin Linville, for everything you do. Helping me stay organized with my life. Thank you, Shell Shag, for the music. If you want to know about me when I'm going out on the road, go to chrisgeth.com. All the dates are there. If you want to help Beautiful Anonymous, what you do is you go to Apple Podcasts, you rate, you review, you subscribe. It really does help so much. That's all the business. We'll see you next time.
Palm is back, and it's available on Verizon. Palm is a small practical companion device that syncs with your existing smartphone, so all your info is seamlessly connected. Palm isn't a replacement for your smartphone. It has the same mobility and capability, though, allowing you to leave your smartphone behind so you can focus on what's in front of you. Go to palm.com to learn more and run to your nearest Verizon store to check out Palm for yourself. That's P-A-L-M dot com. Hey, everybody. Last year on Beautiful Anonymous, we did a really fun thing. Our listeners enjoyed it. For uh, New Year's, we had tons of people call in with their New Year's resolution. We just went one call after the other. And it was, it was really great to get to talk to so many of you guys at once. And guess what? We're making that an annual tradition. So Friday, December 21st, 2 p.m. Eastern, get your phone ready. I want to talk to as many of you guys as possible. Hear your New Year's resolutions and uh, just get a whole bunch of them going. We're also going to be Facebook living this entire thing over at the Earwolf page. And uh, I want you guys to check it out and participate and make this show your own as you always do. And I can't wait to talk to you and hear about what you're excited about for 2019.